thought, no matter how many times we listen to that, we still jig along like children, don't we? We do. We do, <laughs> yes. It's fun. It's a jiggly it's tune. It's fun. We're jiggly. And we are... The Book Whisperers. Well, we've appeared here on a beautiful sunny September day. And we're sitting in a dark studio. <laughs> and we're having the time of our lives, like a little party. Yes, of course. We're always having the time of our lives. It's, it's something about the three of us being together. It just, it just comes off that I way, know. One it? day we're going to spy a wee flat, clam ourselves in there and just lock the door so no one else can get at us. Oh, absolutely. It'd be like friends. But not. But not. <laughs> Well, today we have a theme because it's not just thrown together, this podcast, is no, it? not at all. No. Last week we were dealing with writing within your comfort zone. And this week... Dun, 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 dun. That was oh, drums, by the way. What was that? I thought it was a cat Isn't purring. It's amazing how much stuff she can do. It just comes out of her mouth. I know. Just... <laughs> It drops this week. It's my storytelling skills. Oh, she did a wee shimmy there when she said that. Yeah, she I said, did. Oh, yeah. Storytelling skills. And I even shuggled my eyebrows. Yeah, you've got very <laughs> articulate eyebrows, actually. I know, did we speak. ever mention what we were going to do <clears throat> for the theme? No, we were going no, kind no, of no, with the drum no. roll. Okay, drum roll. We went, into, we went into our comfort zone. <laughs> we are today going to step outside our comfort zone. I just saw yeah. what you did there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who, who, who are we? We are Susan Cohen here, Mary Turner Thompson, and Lee Taylor. We are the Book Whisperers indeed, so we are going to be doing writing out of a comfort zone. Before we start that, however, we want to just give a little plug to the Book Whisperers. Where can you find us? Online. <laughs> At www.thebookwhisperers.com. So the Book Whisperers, so plural, .com. And come and join us. Come and join us. Come and join us. And you can actually join us on, uh, we have a free Facebook group. Um, it's a closed group, so you just have to, to um, ask, request. request to join. Um, but otherwise, yeah, come and join us. There's close on a thousand people there, um, all helping and talking to each other about um, posting writing books. You can post an advert for your book if, you've, if you're an author. All sorts of things. Lots of lovely and things. And it's free. And it's free. And it's free and it's oh, happy free. and it's smiley and it's uplifting and everything. Yeah, and you'll <laughs> you'll find your own little community there. Yeah. Oh, oh. Nice. it's so nice. It's so fluffy, isn't it? Yeah. It's all fluffy and lovely. <laughs> we have an interview coming up with the inimitable Ewan Irvin, my mate, co-author, did I mention? Oh, you didn't. Uh, years ago. And um, the Conan Doyle speaker, Ewan Irvin's going to be coming up. But so far, what I want to do is post a little bit of stuff out there from the book whisperers, whisperings. Yeah. We have a couple of random questions. So random, you don't know what they are, do you, girls? No. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, one of our book whisperers has asked of us this week, what is the most memorable spoken word performance you've ever seen? That would include plays, actually. Let's stretch oh, it to there's, plays there's and all lots. sorts of things. Where to start? Mm. I've seen some fantastic, mind-bogglingly wonderful mm. ones. Mm. Um, well, mine, mine, I, I know off off top of my head, it was Nicholas Nickleby. Uh, that was in uh, Newcastle. It was playing. Oh, this is the nineteen eighties, um, but it was actually a nine-hour performance. Holy mac! And it was absolutely brilliant. And it was done. <clears throat> I think they toured it, but it was it was done in in three separate sections. So it was three three-hour shows, 
Um, and we we went we just sort of saw the first one in the morning and went on off and had an, had a lovely lunch and then came back and watched this one in the afternoon and then a lovely dinner and then we watched the one in the evening and it was absolutely brilliant. That is too cool. That nine, was, that's uh, my idea of yeah, heaven. Yeah. Being a wordy nerdsmith, I would nine hours. Oh, nine hours. Nine oh. hours of theatre. It was awesome. That was that was in the days I could sit in a chair for nine hours. I was going to say I don't know if I could sit in a chair for nine hours. Now. <laughs> Do it pretty much every day when we're working. We're actually sitting still and you know what. Watching a performance could suspend you from the ceiling. <laughs> that would work. That that would would work. Stand up theatre, yeah, that would be <laughs> <laughs> standing ovation from the very beginning. That would be quite nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> How about oh, you, Lee? It's a, it's a difficult one. It is a difficult call for me because being a storyteller, I see so many different storytellers, and, and I fall in love with them every every single. Well, not fall in love with them, but you know, I love elements of their performance, and I think yes, you know, that's that's really good. That's that's great. So I've got a collection of, of sort of different favourites. There was, there was one lady who's just passed, actually, um, Audrey Parks. Shout out to Audrey. We lost her last week. Uh, she was um, a Northern Irish storyteller, um, cracking lady, but her stories just had you spellbound. Mm -hmm. She knew how to hold an audience, definitely. Um, so there's uh, Audrey, Audrey Parks. Who else? I love Mara Menzies. She's very, very dramatic. Um, in the way that she delivers her I know performances. Mara. Do you? Yeah. Oh, Mara's cracking. I love Mara. Mara. She's brilliant, yeah. Um, just Billy Noak meets in the corner here. I don't know anybody. <laughs> Carry on. So, you know, th those are just sort of a couple of people from the storytelling community that I really like. Uh, Sheila Kinnamuth, she, she does, she delivers her stories in a Scottish, a real sort of Scottish way, you know, using the Scottish accent and um, Scottish words. So she really connects with her audience. Um, she's she's really good. Oh God, there's loads. But uh, I suppose um, Benjamin Nefaniah. I, oh, I love his yeah, stuff. I mean, yeah. he just is it Nefaniah? Zephaniah. Zephaniah. Yeah. Okay, well I I I lost a bit there. Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. Um, oh. Just come back to me because I'll come up with some other names a bit later on, but I can't think at the moment. That's really I, think the, I think the question was which was your favourite as opposed to how many can you think of? Oh, well, <laughs> my favourite, actually, I love Richard Burton's voice. Oh, 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 oh. see me melt in a puddle yeah, in the corner. Yeah. Oh, absolutely oh, brilliant. It's like yeah. syrup, isn't oh. it? I, I remember he did uh, Under Milkwood, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, and we used to listen to that with uh, driving down when we we went south south to the cottage or anything else. With my mum in the car, we used to listen to the tapes in the car when we had tapes. Oh, you know, that was fun. We used yeah. to rewind with a pencil. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and I just oh, his voice is just like oh yeah, just yeah, milk and honey in it. Milk, and, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, well, I tell you what, I had a very very pleasant evening listening to John Cooper Clark. Cool, baby, that's really free. <laughs> I just think the man's a god. I just think John Cooper Clark for me. Um, but actually, I went down to Stratford one year and I got one of Judy Dench's horrible looks. Did you? Yeah, it's a really big moment in my life. It was brilliant. I was sitting what did in you the, do? Well, I was sitting in the front row and she was in some, I can't remember, some Shakespearean thing. And I saw it. And the only reason I can't remember it is that we saw sort of, it was in rep and it was like seven nights and I was sort of seeing one after the other because I'm a nerd. And then I was right there. And I nudged my mate and I went, oh, Judy Dench. And she stopped and went, what? <laughs> As you know, that looks of you, you heathen, plebeian. <laughs> 
I am the great Judy Dench and I am on stage and you will kiss my feet like everyone else. And I went, oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so was... I got one of her filthy looks and that was magnificent. I always, I always thought that Judy Dench was, my mum and Judy Dench look so similar. And uh, so whenever I see Judy Dench, I, I think of my mum and... Uh, Certainly, you know, it just my my mother had those kind of withering looks as well. <laughs> she could she could shut you up with a with a just a glance. You, you know, know what's really worrying is that we all actually have withering looks. We just are not aware of them, but everybody else around us go, Whoa, look at us three. I think my children call it the death stare. <laughs> well, we have another little whispering. Fantastic. What's your favourite genre of book? Mm. Mm. To read, to read first as of all, to as opposed to write. Mine changes to... actually. Uh, the after, <laughs> if anyone doesn't know this, it's going to come as a shock. But after I found out my husband was a bigamist, oh, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after I, there was about six months, I could only read true life. I could only read memoirs. I could only read what what used to be classed as misery memoir, which I just thought was the worst name you could ever give a genre. <laughs> um, because hardly ever, they're, they're never miserable. They're no. always positive and no. inspiring about recovery and stuff. Um, but yeah, I had I just read, you know, the story of abuse after story of abuse, the story of abuse. Um, and then I read a, a book by Alice Siebold called Lucky, which actually she, most famous for the Lovely Bones. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually Lucky is her memoir and it's about her rather brutal attack um, and her recovery from it and uh, she was talking about PTSD and I suddenly realised that my reading of these memoirs and surrounding myself in all these awful stories was actually PTSD it was trying to make my experience seem more normal Mm. Um, and uh, it it was a revelation but after after I realised that I was able to go back to and fiction and fantasy and and stuff like that. So, but so my 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 normal is is fantasy is is not fantasy. Is fantasy. <laughs> I don't actually know science fiction. So, um, magic and mm-hmm. and and Tolkien and um, oh, you um, see, Diana Galvin's Outlander I, and stuff. You know? Well, that's really interesting because my brain cannot engage yeah. with Tolkien at all. I think, you know, it gets to the stage when I'm reading Tolkien that if he if he describes one more sunset or one more blade of grass, I'm going to scream. But the story itself, I think, is absolutely brilliant. You know, mm-hmm. I love I love those stories. I grew up on The Hobbit, you know, and stuff like that. So I think it's sort of a good. I read The to... Hobbit in about the, the Lord of the Rings in about four days as I was travelling through oh. Peru. Wow. Was there not anything nice to look at out the window? It was a very boring. It was a. It, I, I mean, the landscape was beautiful. It was. It was beautiful, but it was. I was on a bus for four days. Oh gosh! Wow. Um, and everything. You know, there were chickens inside, and and goodness knows what. It was escapism. It was escapism, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm so sorry. I'm kind of salivating a Peruvian. <laughs> bus journey that lasts for four days. I've been in lockdown for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to say, oh, poor you. Want, no, I don't think you would have wanted to go through that that journey because there wasn't a loo on the bus. It wasn't a nice bus. Just crossed your legs for four days. Well, you had to stop. You know, you'd you'd, ha- you'd have these weird stops, but there, some of the stops were they were dangerous areas like red zone area and, and stuff like Ooh. that. So um, I had to keep my head down. Definitely. Wow, that you sounds see, like a whole book in that. Well, I yeah. do love the way you you toss around words like normal and <laughs> boring bus journeys, and then we say, "Yeah, deep darkest blue, the red zone." Yeah, it must have been really. 
yes. <laughs> what, but you, Lee, what's your favourite genre um, book? I tend to I tend to really like things like Eleanor Ferranti and uh, Anne Tyler. Those kind of stories, stories that are um, about real life, but they're not real life. They're fictional stories about life and things like that. And I also like, I like historical stories as well, hmm. because I can sort of put myself back in each yeah. I'm back there in oh. the outfits. And, and it's always about yeah. the outfits. It's always, always the outfits. And that's actually something that we should mention today, because actually I'm the only one not in costume. <laughs> you think. <laughs> You're right. I am actually still wearing my pyjamas. <laughs> that is actually genuinely true. <laughs> the lipstick, I thought, might distract you, you from the fact actually. that they yeah. are pyjamas. Very nice pyjamas. Very posh pyjamas. But Lee Taylor on my left, she's sitting on my left right there. She's wearing a wimple. I am. Coordinated. She's wearing a wimple. And I have to say, it's oh, not, it's not every lady that can carry off a wimple with such panache. Well, it's lucky that the ceilings aren't too low. <laughs> really? And to be able to get here in a family-sized car, very exciting. Yeah, I had to and then to my head back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and to my right, we have Marie Turner Thompson, who has changed her taffeta ball ground for something which is slightly less conspicuous, but not much. Very elaborate fringing and a rather dashing feather headdress. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure whether she'll get off with it at Tesco yeah, later, she, but you know. She can't come too close to me because feathers make me sneeze. Oh. <laughs> Completely bonkers, you know completely that. Bonkers, you completely bonkers. Completely bonkers. <laughs> and when you're fed up with the feathers, you can use them for dusting around the corners. <laughs> dusting. Dusting. Dusting is for mortals. It's for muggles. <laughs> um, what's about, what's, Susan, what about your favourite genre? Well, yes, Susan. Susan, what's your favourite genre? Because <laughs> <laughs> we forgot about you. <laughs> um, you know what I love? I totally love those kind of books where... The person who is speaking is deluded. Oh, I love that whole thing, and and I think possibly I try to mimic that in my own writing. I love, you know, somebody's giving a narrative, but actually the narrative isn't really what's happening. The real action is not within the voice; it's somewhere else. Oh, and is that why like, you're like, friendly with us then? Yes, <laughs> actually, it makes a lot of sense now. That makes it does. a lot. Yeah, of it does. Sense. It's like the Simpsons. Right, it's so jolly clever. There are so many narratives going on within even one scene in The Simpsons. And at any point in time, at least two or three characters on screen are totally deluded and it's just so funny and so clever. <laughs> and I love that. I, and my favourite little bit of The Simpsons, because I do like to segue in Simpsons most days, is um, when Bart says to his father, Homer, he says... Um, Dad, this is the worst day of my life. And Homer says, the worst day of your life so, so far. far. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a slice of truth in that. Uh, it's, like, it's like my favourite word is yet. You know, sort of like my kids My kids go, you know, oh, I can't do this math problem. Yet. <laughs> I don't know how to cook. Yet. yet. <laughs> So that's two favourite words, nibblings and nibblings yet. Nibblings and yet, yes. You just add a yet to the end of anything when anyone's complaining about something and you just say yet, you know, sort of like, oh, I don't get paid enough yet. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, that's brilliant. Have you got any examples of um, books in that genre that we I should be looking for? I do like um, uh, Ilner Oliphant. 
Oh, yeah. I think that's absolutely lovely. And Mm. I think the way that she articulates is so beautiful, you can't help but fall in love with her. Mm. Um, But the action is not going on with her. It's going on to stage right. And I think it's just such a clever thing. I spoke to somebody actually um, who brokered a deal for the curious dog of the, the curious incident of the dog in the night. I was going to say, I've never heard of the curious dog. <laughs> the curious, the dog. curious dog of the incident of the night time. Who, who had the bridey and forfer. No, that's another one. Um, <laughs> no, that's my little joke. Oh. <laughs> Do we laugh now? Yeah, go on. <laughs> The curious dog who had the bridey and forfer. Anyway, but I think that whole, um, and I think one of the reasons I love it so much is that I've got a son with Asperger's syndrome. Yeah. And, and we have a lot of that going on in our house. We've got dual narratives going on all the time. Yeah. And I just find it quite stimulating and quite yeah. entertaining. So I think that's probably why. Fantastic. That's yeah. my comfort zone. Did you see how I segued in there? Yeah. <laughs> Did you see the um, the theatre performance of... Uh... Uh, Curiousness and the Dog of the Nighttime. No. Utterly brilliant. Really? Utterly brilliant. And the guy at the end, talking about comfort zones, uh, the guy, the actor at the end um, explains how he answers the um, the advanced maths question that, you know, in the middle of the performance he says, you know, I'll explain how I got to that answer later. And after the audience has done their standing ovation or anything, he just comes back on stage and he gives this explanation, this mathematical explanation, which is I couldn't even remotely understand, but the way he performed it was utterly brilliant. <laughs> and it just went on for about 10 minutes. And we were just standing there with our mouths agape, the fact that even as an actor, he could remember all those lines. You know, of of this mathematical equation. That'll be his party piece. It was amazing. Um, But yeah, I mean, that totally outside anyone's comfort zone, that. (laughs) I mean, I used to act and I used to learn lines, but there just, there would be no way I could have learned those lines, you know? Yeah, Um, I love the way brains, different different people's brains, I find it all just fascinating. Look at us. Mm. Not a brain between us. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we thought we might just. Sort of sidestep. I was going to say segue, but I've already sidestep. Well, I was going to say I was going to say segue, and then I was going and then I was going to say segue, and then I was going to say sidestep. Then I was going to say anyway. Yes. Please help me. What's my name? Where do I come from? Where do I live? What day is this? Why are we here? Because you're outside your comfort zone, you see. You know, it is flapping around like in the gravity. You know, it is a bit freaky though, because as as writers, we um, tend to try and hone our own skills, don't we? Uh Yeah. And actually, writing exercises where growth lies mm. is is out with your comfort zone, but it is quite freaky, I yeah. think, isn't mm. it? No, definitely. It, it does require an element of bravery that I don't have, but I think you can buy it on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's actually quite a good thing yeah. to think about selling. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bravery. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nicely packaged with a little red bow and possibly a feather. <laughs> Do you know, no. actually, I used She's to sell, got all the feathers. When, when I was really skint, when I was really, really skint, I used to be diving down the back of couches to try and find pennies to buy milk for the kids kind of thing. Um, I was something to eat. I actually didn't need to feed the kids because I used to turn up at people's houses when they were just about to feed their own and they go, oh, would you like something? Oh, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, it was a difficult time. Um, but uh, I used to sell um, guarantees of happiness on eBay. <laughs> Literally, just a piece of paper, which was a guarantee of happiness for £10, and you just post out to someone. 
That is this, this genius. Piece of, this piece of paper. It was actually my sister. My sister came up with it, the idea, and I just followed through with the practicalities of it. But you literally just printed off a certificate saying, this is your certificate of happiness. This guarantees you that whatever you do in life, you'll be happy regardless of what happens, blah, blah, blah. You know, and it Anybody just, come just... back and ask for their money back? It didn't no, work. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I sold lights to them, £10 a pop. That is actually yeah. eye-wateringly... Moving, isn't yeah. it? That <laughs> yeah. is a lovely thing. I also, I also knitted coats for for for, for dolls, fur coats, and furry, furry. Um, this is completely irrelevant, but fur fur coats, and I made boots for Sasha dolls and stuff like that. I did anything I could to earn some anything pennies. You could. So, um, oh, look at you now, <laughs> still doing everything I could. Flinging. <laughs> yeah. that's brilliant. You know what, Mary? Good on you. Honestly, yeah. you deserve all good things. Uh, truly, you do. Aww. Look at us. We are a we love fest here. <laughs> now we're doing group cuddles. No, 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 you're too close. <laughs> Social distancing and all that. So we thought we would um, have a wee chat to Ewan Irvin, author. Author. Speaker. Speaker. Sellout fringe performer. Sellout fringe And all round good egg. Love it. Love it. Yes. Let's love give it. him a wee tinkle. Should we give yeah. him a round of applause? Oh, hang on. That's all very oh, that well, but I've, well. got, I've got to it actually... Was, you can do better cheating, though. I, I need the number. Oh! <laughs> He's probably hanging on the telephone. He's probably holding we on. Yeah, is we it can like... guess it. Okay, so... Do you want me to sing in the background? I'm betting I get the number wrong. <laughs> I'm in the phone room. Oh, no, no. Scrub that. <laughs> you know what? So, you never see you and Debbie Hardy in the same room. Well, there's a thing. There's, there's a there's reason a for that. Right. Yeah. Hopefully that'll be ringing. <laughs> see, seamless operation. Seamless. Uh, like, so well lined like up with everything. Pants. Seamless. <laughs> Hello. Hello, you and Irvin. Oh, hi, hi. You are live on Podcast World. Am I alive at the moment? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. I've just introduced you as author, speaker and sellout fringe performer. Oh, excellent. That would be it, we wouldn't it? We even gave you a round of applause as well. Uh, we did, uh, we did, uh, yeah. I'm sure other folk could think of a few names, but that's fine. <laughs> we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> Ewan, tell us about the Fringe performance, first of all, because you, um, of course, had to cancel your, your Fringe performance this year. When is the next performance going to be? Because I know that you're doing some online stuff before the Fringe comes back to our yes, neck of the woods. The next Fringe performance, which, of course, will be next year, is will be Tales from the City Below. Ooh. Tell us a bit about that. And which city is it? So this is, of course, our good city, Edinburgh. And, of course, in the centre of Edinburgh, we talk about everything that is above ground. But many of us now know that there is a world under the ground mm-hmm. in the vaults, the caverns, the basements, and the oncloses covered up. So these will be the stories of those that were connected with the underground going back, the vaults and the caverns. So mm. you have, for instance, um, those that may have stayed above ground but had a lot of their dealings under the ground. We have, for instance, um, Edinburgh's most famous poltergeist, which is Bloody Mackenzie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Of course, we have Burke and Hare. Mm-hmm. Oh, Yes. 
And there is the wonderful story, much steeped in legend, about the little piper boy yeah. that was sent down a tunnel underneath the Royal Mile. What? And, and and what happened? I don't know that one. No, oh, I know tell that us one. about that one. So the legend says that there was um, uh, an entrance um, found very close to the castle. And, of course, the curious townspeople of Edinburgh wanted to know where this led. But the entrance was quite small. But Edinburgh folk had a cunning plan. Let's find a small child. A small <laughs> child that will fit. And will be able to wander underground. But of course, they needed to find out where this, this child would wander to. So another little ingenious cunning plan. We found a small child who just happens to play the bagpipes. They're loud. And if that child plays them going down the tunnel, we can follow the sound above. Holy Quite mackerel. ingenious. Mm, Quite good, ingenious. actually. Did it work? And it worked. It worked until part way down the Royal Mile. It's just past the giants the and giles. The pipes stopped. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they no. managed to send someone else down. Whether it was another child, we do not know. But although they wandered down the tunnel, they never found that child. Oh, that's oh, never you and Irvin, that is audible. <laughs> and the stories, the, the stories, of course, the ghost stories say that sometimes when you're walking down the Royal Mile at night, you mm. sometimes hear the faint sound of the pipes from underneath the ground. Oh, I know. Oh, dear. Moving swiftly on. <laughs> You've got real story. interest in that, yeah. haven't you? And and you, you have a book coming out soon, haven't you, Ewan? Yes, I've always had an interest in paranormal and ghost stories. So oh, when too. I grew up, yeah, yeah. But when I grew up, my, we used to go holidays around the UK, and my parents loved going to the stately homes and things and having a look about, you know, on the tours. And of course, the guys would often ask any questions, and even at a young age, it'd be me. Where's the ghost? <laughs> <laughs> Where's the room with the ghost? I want to hear about the ghost. So I always had that interest. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then over time and looking at the psychic side of things, um, I suddenly realised and was told um, and found out that um, that psychic side went back in, in, in family. And I had a grandmother, the great-grandmother, that read the flames and the fire for people. And suddenly the interest in this as well, because these women, and my great-great-grandmother was way up north of Scotland, and we suddenly realised that these people were often seen as being peculiar, strange, and of course we look back and we have the whole story about the witches. Okay, yeah. And those that were condemned simply for their belief that they were using their healing powers or help in some way, but, of course, when someone was a bit suspicious of someone or there was a fallout and um, the person had perhaps said a few words or, a, or what was said to be a curse and the person then fell ill or something happened, the finger was pointed at that person. Suddenly they were a witch. They were accused of being a witch. Mm. Yeah, it was predominantly women, wasn't it? Yeah, it was mostly women, but um, it also affected men and also children again as well. Mm -hmm. 
all ages, it didn't matter what. And of course, when someone was implicated, gossip, suddenly others were implicated. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we have the whole witchcraft trials and, and everything. So I, I had an interest in that. And of course, we have Edinburgh's most prolific witch, Agnes Finney. Oh, yeah. Um, she was, ooh, she was um, seemingly a terror within the city. And um, and then there was other stories that, you know, have that, you, you always find those grains of truth. They might have been embellished over the years, but legend and stories have that way of doing it. But they have that grain of truth. So we have, um, there was, there was um, a witch called Marion Pardon um, up north. Um, there was the witch whose very stare was said to cause a cow to keel over and die. Oh, I've met people like that. <laughs> Judy Dench you know, There's all these stories. And then we have, there's a story of the Lady of Lores. And the Lady of Lores was, was a noblewoman in the town of Lores up these, beside Loch Tay. And um, there's stories about her. She, she came out with prophecies. And these prophecies seem to have come true over the years. In wow. fact, an interesting one, that she stayed in Lores itself. And the church was being built. And she and, and as the builders come with the ridging stones and, and heavy, heavy stones, they bring them to the wee village, and she is said to utter the words that the ridging stones will never be placed on the roof. So you can imagine these men just laughing this away. But they go back to stay in their wee hotel or wee inn and look um, in Taymouth that night, and a storm whips up. And that storm blows the ridging stones into Loch Tay that very night. You see, you're so into this, aren't you? So the you ridging know what, stones Ewan, you, were never placed. You're loving this, aren't you? I, I know you really I, well. How long have I known you for now? Oh, years and years. Years and years and years. And I have to say, I do take my hat off to you because, you know, when you when you get into a subject, you are really into it. I have to say, this book is, is a cracker. Where can we find it, Ewan? Well, we'll be able to find it on Amazon, um, different places. Uh, well, I suppose Amazon will be the best place, actually. The Wee Book yeah. Company will be publishing the it, book I believe. Company, yes, so the website of the Wee Book Company. I'll have a link on my website as well. Which um, is? Which is? Which is um, the scottishmedium.com. Now, can you just tell us why it's called the scottishmedium.com? It's called the scottishmedium.com because, as I said, I had an interest in the psychic. That grew at a very young age. Um, so that ability that seems to have gone back through the family, I seem to have inherited and I've used that. So um, I've been working as a medium for a number of years and alongside that has been the interest in the paranormal, working in the paranormal field. And um, yes, it's, um, it's a very strange interest. Well, it's a brilliant interest. Now, I know that you also do ghost hunting trips. When will they start back up? I presume when oh. COVID-19 sort of yeah, waves well, its way away. Strangely enough, I've got the first booking, although it's not till later on next year. So folk are tentatively um, kind of bringing these back in slowly. So that's been underground Edinburgh 
Um, next year. We would love to join you oh, in, on a, oh, a podcast yeah. from one of your ghost <coughs> hunts. Yeah, that and would be brilliant. And see what we can find. Let's do Superb. that. Let's yeah. do that. You and thank you so much. Absolutely yes, thank fine. You. All thank right, you so thank much. Thank you. You too. Bye. 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 Oh, we could listen to all those witchy stories and ghosty stories all day, couldn't we? I love ghost stories. And me. They don't seem to be so so common anymore, ghost stories. You know, well, it's like are. used to be used to be so much when I was a kid, I used to see loads of ghost stories. But we've sort of got moved on to kind of witches and, and werewolves and, and and vampires and stuff. There's loads of kind of like young stories. They've been that, commodified, but... they've been taken into current society and commodified and and tarted up. Commodified. I like that word. Commodified. Of stories. But in the storytelling community, you get lots of these stories. Mm. I love it. I love it. Sitting around the fire. Oh, that sounds lovely. Let's do that. We'll have to, next time the the, uh, Good Crack Club is open and we can actually visit, we'll have to go. Oh, you'll love, love it. That. You will. That would be good, actually. Do you think the storytelling community is really fueled by the fact that, that we're in Edinburgh? You I know, think and, there's and a, a large part of it. Yeah, of I, I see a difference between the Scottish and the English element of storytelling because the English storytellers are are all about performance or appear to be to me anyway. Whereas the Scottish storytellers, it's all about the Cayley atmosphere. I mean, there are other storytellers that are are about performance and different elements, um, but the Scottish storytelling seems to be all about. Bringing in the community, yeah. yeah, bringing the community in and working with that atmosphere. So it's it's it feels like it's something intimate that the story is actually being told to you, and you only. It's, well, that's fascinating, oh, yeah. Yeah. isn't it? Yeah, that is fascinating. Well, I have to say, you know, sort of going back to to Ewan's interview and then sort of linking with what you said, um, it's really interesting, isn't it? How when you you talk about the storytelling community, that that is a, a comfort and a honed skill. Mm-hmm. And knowing yeah. you and as I as I do, and you can tell by the way he was talking, he's very much an auditor mm-hmm. and a storyteller, and mm-hmm. loves to 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 put his own spin on things. But you know, one of the things I do admire about you is that he really does push himself into all sorts of other areas of work. So, you know, to be a platform medium is for, is no small feat, mm. you know. And so to put yourself out there is a massive thing. But then to to conduct ghost hunts <laughs> yeah, using mediumship. Yeah. I watch him all the time stepping out of, of and saying, yeah, I'll try that. Yeah, I'll try that. Yeah. And unless he tried that, he would never have known yeah. about yeah, the yeah. abilities that he has. I have to say, talking about the abilities that he has, we were talking about stepping out of your comfort zone. And this is just not something that's thrown together. We have material here. (laughs) Now, we're going to draw straws as to who delivers a little bit about the reason why we're talking about stepping out of your comfort zone. Mary Turner Thompson, draw a straw if you would mind. Oh, short straw, what a shame. And now Lee Taylor. <laughs> I've got one. Oh, oh, she's got the long straw. It must be Lee Taylor. Oh, I'll just rattle my page then. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you sitting comfortably? Yes. Well, I've got the posture. Mary's just on one of her stools. <laughs> but you have got a nice little um, it's a nice little tough to cushion. Yeah. <laughs> tough it. Sitting on her tuffet. Sitting on a tuffet, yes. Yes, lovely. So, why step out of your comfort zone? Well, why not? Well, for me, anyway, I quite like stepping out of my comfort zone. It means that I'm pushing myself to try something else and I'll learn something from it. 
Yeah. I think that's true. And I don't know why I actually passed the piece of paper to Lee because she didn't need it. <laughs> when... <laughs> I went completely off piece. I thought it was supposed to be one of those mnemonics, you know, that, that would take oh. me into it. I didn't have to... Uh. Well, the theory is about why step out of your comfort zone apparently keeps your work from plateauing, which mm. I think is actually probably... Or you know, plummeting. Or, 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 plummeting, or, or yes. plummeting. But you know what? If you're honing your skills and you're honing your skills and you get to that point where you think, yeah, I'm there, where else have you got to go? Mm-hmm. Within that genre, where else have you got to go? It forces you to tell stories in a different way mm-hmm. and it helps you to perceive your writer's voice, which I think is interesting. But how do you do it? Apparently, you repurpose your content in a different way. You then look at the things that you know that the work that you've produced with no judgment, and you ask yourself, "What surprised me? What did I love? What did I hate? What did I learn?" Mm-hmm. And I think that's quite an interesting thing, you know. So when we talk about um, a piece that we write, do we want to do it from a different perspective? And I remember Lee that that when we first started podcasting, you wrote about a wall. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? And then the wall started speaking. And, you know, any kind of of piece of work can be got at, if you like, and and approached from different perspectives, do you feel? Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. David Bowie's got a really lovely expression, or he had some kind of expression that said to work within your... If you worked without your comfort zone, that's where the art lies. You know, yeah. to deliberately push yourself out yeah. of your comfort zone. Yeah. And I've always, because I'm a big fan of David Bowie's. Oh. Massive fan. Rock God. Yeah. <laughs> Rock God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It so. does. I mean, any, any, any way you step out of your comfort zone changes things always. It's like, <clears throat> I, think, I think I told you before, but I, I did a bungee jump. Uh, and it's not something when I when I first turned up in Cyprus and my friend said, oh, you'll be doing a bungee jump before you go home. And I was like, not in your life, never going to happen. And uh, 10 days later, there I was on a platform 150 foot above the sea. And the, the guy who was at the top of the platform gave me a speech that I'll never, ever forget. And it was very much um, when you are in a comfort zone, you're in a box and the box will get smaller and smaller. You'll see, you'll go to work the same way, you'll do the same job, you'll speak to the same people, you'll you'll eat the same foods you know, and you'll see someone get bitten by a dog, you'll get scared of dogs, the box will shrink, you'll, you know, you'll see a horror film that makes you worry about walking down an, an alleyway and your box will shrink a bit more. And he said, eventually you end up with this rut and a rut is just a grave with the ends kicked out. And oh, you really I love that line, yeah. Yeah. And he said, you know, if you do this bungee jump, you know, you're going to shatter the the, the sides of that box so spectacularly that it will never form again. Um, and uh, and he said, I'm going to. And he didn't didn't draw breath. He then said, I'm going to count down five, four, three, two, one, and you're going to jump. Uh, and he went five, four, three, two, one. And I made that split second decision to to go for it. But I did actually. I remember very very consciously thinking, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die looking good. So I didn't jump. I dove. <laughs> 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 so I literally took a dive off this. I mean, it, I, it was horrendous. I screamed all the way down. I actually screamed so much. I actually bruised my voice box. I couldn't speak for two weeks, which for me is quite dramatic. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, and it really did. It, it really opened my life. I've done things like firewalks. I've done amazing things. And it's like getting up and doing performance and stuff like that. If I get really frightened of something and I know I'm really outside my comfort zone, I love it. It's irresistible. I love it because it makes me go, that's breaking that barrier again. Because if, if there's things that frighten me, then I know that box is shrinking again. 
you know, there's things that I won't do because I'm worried about what people will think of me or I'm worried about, you know, or, you know, so just just worried about anything. It just means that, I mean, not death, obviously. <laughs> I still won't jump out of a perfectly good airplane without, you know, with, with or without a parachute. Um, but, you know, that that's the idea of just, um, you know, that, that, that do, doing things that make you uncomfortable are the things you're going to grow most from. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with writing. The things, you you know, the things you're doing that are totally out with your comfort zone, they may not be the things you produce and the things you publish, mm -hmm. but they are going to take you outside, you know, they're going to uh, embellish your craft, mm -hmm. you know, so dramatically, you know, it's going to make you so much better a writer. Yeah. You know, even if what you're doing that's uncomfortable is it's not ever going to come into anything you publish. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, well, you know what, that's what it's all about Day and we have all produced work which <laughs> yeah, outside our makes us a little bit uncomfortable mm, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely been outside our comfort zone so um we're all looking at each other and we're all wringing our hands <laughs> we are yeah, we right? don't normally yeah. wring our hands when this bit comes but normally what we do is at this point in time is, is we read bits that we've written but we're all a wee bit anxious this week aren't I we a bit anxious yeah yeah. yeah, Lee swiveling her eyes, that never happens. You're Ooh. always really expressive, but you, you've kept your head really straight. I'm just excited to see what you've produced both of you, actually. Well, so who's going to go first? Should we get the straw? No, we've done the straws, but we have. we're big girls. We should, we allow, should, we, should we allow... Should we allow Lee to go first? Yes. Because we, we're, we, we're so sort of like... Professional can't, performer. Can't follow her, you know, sort of like... Okay, I'll give you a bit of a background on this. Um, I'm not religious at all. Um, but I was talking to someone who is or was religious. She was um, a Catholic and she was explaining um, about the rituals and things that she was doing. Um, and I was taking notes because I wanted to write an element of this into a play that I was writing at the time. And I came home and I put bits and pieces together and I felt quite uncomfortable about it. Um, so I'd, I'd written a kind of poem that I wasn't quite sure if it if I'm writing it right, um, because it's not my lived experience. So I'm I, I was practicing that. So you're just going to have to bear with me because mm. I'm going to go a little bit more out of my comfort zone and and play with how I'm going to deliver it. Okay, perfect. All my secrets confessed, kneeling on the wood, head bowed. The black curtain drawn. I confessed my shame to the other side. The glints of purple and red. The dark shadow waiting. God bless me, Father. A chair creaks. For I have sinned. A newspaper rustles. I hear breath. It's been a week since my last confession. I hit my sister. <laughs> Cough. I told lies. I smell incense. I stole a banana. His voice, low and whispered. Three Hail Marys. I am absolved. Uncloaked of guilt and shame. I skip out through the wooden doors, past the font, leaving God and his confessions behind. Until next week. 
Ooh, I really Ooh, like that. And that really is it. a departure from your normal yeah. style as well, mm. isn't it? I really love the stole banana. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's what she was explaining to me was that she was um, a child, you know, that all these rituals that she did as a child that she did without questioning. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I'm the absolute opposite. I'll question everything. Yeah. It's like, why, why is that? Um, so I just took bits of what she'd said and and placed them into that. And it, I, I could hear it. I could hear the, the thing in the back of my head, but I don't know how well it worked. Yeah, so. I thought Wonderful. it worked really well, actually. Thank you. Very atmospheric. Very. And delivery. Perfect. Perfect as always. As always. As always. Not oh, that I we're bitter or anything. <laughs> So we're going to have to do this. We're going to have to do a session where you're a podcast session where you're teaching us all these. Yeah, I, mean, I know you yes. say, "Oh, it's easy. You just do such and such." And it's like Sue and I just look at each other, and go, "What?" <laughs> sorted, sorted, yeah, sorted, sorted. sorted. Yeah, cool. Oh, am I going next? Am I? Okay. <laughs> Not that bossy or anything today, have, but you know, I have to too put much my... coffee. <laughs> yes, you and coffee. Uh, I have to put my glasses way down my nose because I'm not wearing my reading glasses. It's so not I look... a look that everyone can carry off, but you, <laughs> you do it. You look lovely. <laughs> it's, my, it's my Miss Jean Brodie look. Um, taking off Sam as well. Uh, so yes, my mine was um, is a is a poem that I've written, and I'm not a poet at all. Um, but this was part of the creative challenge that we did with the Book Whisperers. Mm -hmm. um, so I had to sit down and actually bite the bullet and 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 write a poem. So that's what I've done. And I'm not comfortable with it at all. So, um, yeah. <clears throat> it's called Personal Questions. Have you found love again? Have you found a partner? Have you found trust again after being betrayed? Have you found your happy ever after? I have, I answer. My children and I are a team and my dog is loyal and loving. I have a happy life. I'm living the dream. But, they stutter aghast, have you found a man? Someone to hold you close, to look after you and help you take a stand? I have, I answer. My son is grown. He's tall and strong and loves me. He's a man all on his own. No, they shout, that's not what we mean. Have you found someone loving who can meet your physical needs? Oh, I reply, I understand. I found the perfect mate. He's strong and kind and loving and cuddles up to me at night. Oh, that's good, they say. We're glad to hear that. Though I'm not quite so sure why they're so interested in my cat. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant. That's really, really good. It's only based on the fact people do ask me that every single time. Oh. Every interview I do, every single time. Have you found love? Have you found someone? And it's like, yeah, I've got a lovely dog. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like there's this lovely perception that everyone, you know, that were brought up as girls, you know, you thou shalt get married and thou shalt and grow find, up, find, find someone, someone to take you know. care of you. Yes. Oh and I and goodness. I keep saying to my my girls, you know, you you don't need it. If a relationship's really enhancing your life, I'm going off completely at another tangent. Um <laughs> yes, if, if a relationship's helping your life, then that's brilliant. But it don't you don't have to. And it doesn't have to be a defining question. No. But it's it's really interesting. It's everyone's perception is, you know, that that would be the ultimate that the ultimate show that I have healed from everything that happens to me is when I'm in a relationship again, as opposed to actually being quite happy on my own. It's it's a ladies it's for ladies with wimples kind of question, isn't it? It is, yeah. Said the lady with the wimple. Yeah. But it is a lovely wimple. 
Yes. You know, it's a lovely shade of it's mauve. The, it's the rainbow. You know, it is, it's the, it's it? the yeah. rainbow thing that's the, the yeah. what's it called? What's, it, what's the bit that comes off the end called? I haven't a, I haven't so a clue. Kind of veil that comes oh, off the um, end of the wimple. <laughs> can't remember. But uh, you know I do, where I keep my donuts. Oh! <laughs> We won't go on, there. On the point of the wimble? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, thank goodness for that. <laughs> Susan, come in. Oh. Are you taking this podcast? No, Moving swiftly dear. on. Do you know what? I had three coffees this morning. You can tell, can't you? Yeah, we can. Oh, it's not good. I don't have to really lie down in the darkened room. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sue, so you've, got, you've got your medium straw. I've got my medium straw and um, mine is just a little bit that I wrote in a character's voice, which actually... It's fascinating. Really... Your, your voice is actually shaking. I am really nervous about it. You shouldn't be. I am really nervous be. about it. So I'm just going voice. to go. So, so when they turn around and they don't look at me and they're both staring like... <laughs> you you, <laughs> know, you know that courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is fe feeling the fear and doing it anyway. Oh, I'm, this is my bungee jump, isn't it? It, it is. is. Yes. All right, yep. I'm going for it. This one is called My Sandra. No, I don't think it was going too far wearing a wedding dress to Sandra's funeral. No way. Not after Kenneth stole it away from me all those years ago. And no, I don't think I'm too old to carry off a sweetheart neckline with a light dusting of gold body shimmer. So don't look at me like that. You know, <laughs> like that. Anyway, it did do the trick, because Kenneth noticed. I could tell from the way he was sucking the boiled egg out of his filled roll, eyes fixed on me like a heron that had just spotted a fish. He clocked me just after I'd laid my red carnation on top of the coffin, and just before I'd been manhandled out of the double doors by those two undertakers. <laughs> they were obviously on a minimum wage, because by the smell of them neither could afford deodorant. You see, it all started back in ninety-eight when I was Sandra's understudy in Days of Our Lives by Bertha Greaves. We were playing Doris, the diabetic bus driver. When I say we, I mean Sandra and me. Amateur dramatics. We both liked the same things we did, so much in common. It was a complex part, and I skipped my tap dancing classes for three straight weeks to memorise every last word off pat. Kenneth was the backstage manager at the theatre. Well, that's what they all called him, but it was only because he had a ready way with the velvet stage curtains and was very handy with the dustpan and brush, but I never liked him. It was the way he parted his hair down the middle. The way there was always brill cream on his collar. The way his duffel coat was always missing a toggle in that come-get-me way. Oh, it was everything. <laughs> Still, I didn't really notice him. I was too busy watching Sandra. In the part of Doris, the diabetic bus driver, she shone like a hundred-watt light bulb. She never faltered, not once. Of course, there was no chance of me stepping up into the part. Understudy, I most firmly was. Still, I didn't mind. Doris was safe in Sandra's hands, and Bertha Greaves' words of gold like, Ooh, baby, you can punch my ticket any time. And... All aboard for the ride of your life. And that all-time classic, there's always room for a big one on top. They were all left bouncing round inside my head. Still, I didn't mind, I didn't really, as long as I was close to Sandra. 
I'd watch her on stage. And I'd watch her backstage. I'd watch her change and I'd walk her home. Well, I'd follow her. (laughs) She said she could manage alone, but I knew she was only being brave. Then I'd stand outside her house and I'd wait till her light went off. Then I'd watch her sleep through the window. (laughs) The candlewick bedspread going up and down. Then I'd head off home the following morning just as soon as she got up and I'd do it all again later that day. Such happy times. And then came the day I dreaded. The day when the play finished its run and Sandra had gone. She'd just, well, gone. And things were never the same for me again. Nobody would ever tell me where she went, no matter how many times I asked, and I did ask. I asked over (laughs) and over And over. And over. Turns out she'd ended up in a place called Crouch End with Kenneth. And a set of twins. I know this because two weeks past Tuesday I'd read the notices in the paper that she'd gone. Leaving the lot of them behind. Short illness, it said. Much missed, it said. That bit was right anyway. Much missed. What's that you say? My eyes? No, there's nothing wrong. Just been doing a bit of crying. What? How long for? Oh, since two weeks past Tuesday. Thing is, my Sandra, she was a star. All through the days of our lives, I could see that. She was a star, my Sandra. Oh, oh cracking. That's really cracking. That is absolutely brilliant. If we weren't stuck in front of microphones, I would actually be standing here with a standing ovation going on. <laughs> Utterly brilliant. It was really, really Utterly good. brilliant. That is so sweet of you. And it's such a departure from what I normally do. Oh, I want, I want to read the whole book. <laughs> I do. That is utterly brilliant. I loved it. It's really interesting how we we do find growth, I think, don't mm, we? As yeah. soon as we step outside our normal genres. So, so when we are talking to people who might be listening and they have been picking up their pens and writing along with us, what would we say about writing in a different way this week to try and encourage people. Try it. Yeah. Try it. Look at it from the perspective of, I don't know, your dog or the postman or, you know, if yeah. you're if if you're writing some sort of I'm I'm trying thing. to this week I'm trying to do my character's fifteen year old self. And so sort of trying to actually articulate how she her internal dialogue would be, which for a fifteen year old <laughs> It's great fun. So I've been talking to 15-year-olds and asking kind of what words they use and, and how they think and stuff, and then just try to do a kind of monologue, kind of diary entries of, of 15-year-olds, um, which is it's just it's fascinating. But, yeah, it just sort of like any any way you can, any way you can mm. try and find a way to, I mean, like Lee's thing of, of eavesdropping people in cafes and stuff, listen mm. to people's language, and try and write a monologue in that person's character, mm. you know, as a way to do it as well. Um, but anything, anything, whether Seeing it's the world. Try, have a look eyes, at our creative yeah. challenge as well on on um, the Book Whistler's website uh, because it's still up there. You can go through the six weeks challenge on your own or with friends. You can do it, you know, and just sort of follow through because it's it, it's it's a great way of actually sort of pushing those boundaries as well. Yeah, mm. and do do join us on Facebook because we are. Um, setting all sorts of different challenges as the weeks progress. And one of the re- great things about that is it's a safe, mm. um, 
environment, isn't it? People are very yeah. nurturing, people are very positive, and and you can just do something straight to camera, post it yeah. there, and and get some feedback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we do we we talk about a different subject each week as well. We were talking about uh, illustrating last night, weren't we? Uh, and uh, and recruiting illustrators. Uh, and uh, how to communicate with illustrators, etc. So, I mean, it's it's different all the time. We'll talk about publishing and how to get published, how to get agents, how to get, you know, everything. So join us, yeah. Join us, too. And ask us questions. We need more blind whisperers. <laughs> well, not blind whisperers, but blind whisperer questions. We do. We do. We do. And coming up this week, what have we got planned? Anything exciting? Are you bungee jumping again, My are book you? is relaunched today. <gasps> oh, so I'm doing lots it? of radio shows and everything else this week. So, yeah, I'm very, very excited. So The Bigger Mist is, is up on, on Amazon again for sale. So it's all go, go, go. That is all so, go, go, go. Yeah, exciting stuff. What about you, Lee? Scaramouche Press. Mary's just, Mary Craig's just... Oh, her book's um, launched she, today she as well, launched, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, she launched today as well. So that's that's a biggie. Beside the Annex. Beside the Mary Annex. Craig. Yeah. And that's available on Amazon as on well, Amazon. isn't it? Yeah. Historical, but it's gorgeous as yeah. well. So that's a good one. I've got a new carpet fitted. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to sit on it and you're going to fly away. And there you go. You've got a different perspective to write from. <laughs> I've got a new carpet fitted. That's about it, to be honest with you. <laughs> Off to Tesco, maybe pick up a wee sandwich. Carpets are wonderful, though. You know. yeah. so Join us, too. <laughs> Get your ball gowns out. See you Tiara. next week. Tiara. <laughs> See you next week. Have the loveliest care, of times. Take care. Forget that comfort zone. <laughs> Very <laughs> overrated. You should pull out that carpet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get a rug instead. Yeah.